What's up, everybody? Welcome to Mongols Podcast, sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. I'm Mike. With me is Kevin Josh. Coming up, we'll talk about the Hounds draw with Louisville. We'll take a look at what happened in the rest of the East. We'll ask, will Nico surpass Kerr's all-time goals as a Hound? And more. Let's go! I think that's a great question. Now we got to get into the nitty gritty. Felt like it had some pop to it. There was no like, oh, it's, <laughs> it's that kind of night. Ugh. I want to know when someone's going to edit together all your let's goes into like one super cut. <laughs> that would be terrible. Like turn turn it into like a house track. Like let's go 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 go. <laughs> oh 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 oh. oh. <laughs> some auto tune going on Just there. Put a, Just a funky house beat behind that and. Uh... Look, uh, we're we're gonna talk. We'll we'll talk a little bit about it at the end of the show. But this whole like Mongols jersey thing is happening. If somebody actually does that, I might just like give them a jersey. Like we'll just donate to them. So <laughs> if anybody goes back, and it doesn't just have to have the let's goes. It could have anything. Like we all have our little ticks and things. If you want to do like a super cut uh, of Mongols okay, well, clips, let, let's let's. It's like it'll be like a job posting. What are the qualifications? How long does it need to be? <laughs> it's got. It, be... it can't just be like five seconds. No, 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 no. No, I mean maximum effort. Yeah, it's got to be like, I don't know what's like what's like the average length of a song in like a, a and like a club. You can tell how old I am. I was like, I, see, I, I was just thinking the same thing. You're asking this question, and I guarantee the three of us have not been in a club nope. in like ever. Yeah. <laughs> nope. So it's got to be something that like Daft Punk would play. Well, so what if, no, what if what if we like actually try to, you know, put this to use and say. It has to be able to like legitimately replace the let's go maybe on a special episode or something. <laughs> but if it's like five minutes long. But that's what I'm talking about. Maybe it doesn't have to. Maybe it's like 45 seconds. Okay. It just like, you know the song Candle on the Wind? Just make it 500 times better than Candle on the Wind. We'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> little, little Parks and Rec drop there for you. There you um, go. Josh, we got another victory. No, we didn't. No victory beverage mm. this week. Oh. So, I'm feeling okay. I'm, I'm just going to spoil it right now. I'm feeling okay, but we'll, we'll get into it. So, yeah, Hounds, nil-nil draw at home. Um, against. It, against Louisville. Thanks, Kev. You're welcome. Did you, did you not watch the game? <laughs> <laughs> no, but He's I want to Google search right now. Who'd we For play? all the listeners. <laughs> um, I will say, I, I think that the, the nil-nil draw was a bit... Uh, disappointing I think actually Justin immediately after the game was over tweeted that he was disappointed because it felt like if the Hounds had played just a little bit better that there were three points there for the taking um, and we didn't but I will say for a nil-nil draw it was a fairly entertaining nil-nil draw Um, Josh obviously there were some festivities and things going on down at the stadium how to what was the reception there like well I mean Okay, so the game itself, it was, it, I would say disappointing is okay to say, but after that second half, I felt pretty relieved when the whistle blew. Not going to lie, because near, near the end there, I felt like if anyone's going to get a goal, it's going to be Louisville. But the whole day, just the day as a whole, and the you know game included, was it was actually a really good day in the stadium for us. Uh, started out at, with the Steel Army tailgate, but Louisville always brings a good crowd. So we actually had other people to tailgate with, uh, the Coopers. They brought us some bourbon. I mean, some victory beverages. Um, and it, the it was bottle a, was like engraved too, right? 
Yeah, yeah. Angels Envy engraved with yeah. uh, Pittsburgh versus Louisville and then the date on it. So it was like Jeez. super special. Um, we're keeping that bottle. That's great. Yeah. I'm already coming up with ideas for like a, a whiskey derby. We bring rye. They bring bourbon. Whoever wins gets it. You know, that kind of stuff. There's some ideas afoot. So anyway. Um, but yeah, so the tailgate was a blast. I mean, when you have two bottles of bourbon, it's always going to be a blast. And then uh, <laughs> the game itself was was fun. I mean, it was entertaining. Probably the, the most fun 0-0 draw I've ever watched live, especially at High Market. It was just a intense game where it felt like anything could happen. But I don't feel like either team was playing bad. It wasn't like I was watching the Hounds being like, man, this team sucks. It's like, no, we're we're playing our butts off, and so are they. And, you know, there's some great saves on both sides. And it it, it was a fun game to watch. It's disappointing because, obviously, every point matters at this at this time in the season and with the home stretch uh, for the playoffs. But at the same time, it, I feel like it was a fair result. Yeah, a lot of a lot of people in the local media sort of kept alluding to the fact that it sort of felt like a playoff atmosphere. I mean, it's always we've talked about this before. It's always fun when the other team brings fans, especially when, you know, you can be cordial and have a good time when the game isn't going on. But during the game, you actually have somebody to go back and forth with. And it looked like mm-hmm. the Coopers had at least 20 some people there in the stands, um, which is fantastic. You love to see that. So, Kev, what the you know, what were your thoughts not being in the stadium? What was your read on this one? I thought it was a really good game played out by two really good sides um, that were more equally matched than I think I expected. Um, I, I mean, I haven't watched a lot of Louisville this season, um, so I was surprised at how well they played. I was impressed. Um, that being said, yeah, I, I think I understand what Justin was saying. It did feel like, I mean, especially because we, as fans and as a team, we're getting so used to winning. It just kind of felt natural, especially at home. It just felt natural. Okay, the goal is going to come. The goal is going to come. And just that kind of expectation makes the entire process that bit more frustrating, especially when we're creating chances. So it was frustrating in that sense, um, and it was disappointing that we weren't able to kind of further push our way up the table. Um, but I thought it was a good game, and I was impressed by Louisville City. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they're going to give some some teams trouble in the playoffs. Yeah. One of the things that I think was frustrating was, like you said, we were getting chances and there were patches of the game where it felt like we were the team on the front foot and we just couldn't break through. Um, Typically during these games, you know, I'll try to get on Twitter and go back and forth with some of the other fans and just have a good time with it. And the general uh, response from the Louisville fans was that they were surprised that Chris Hubbard uh, Louisville's keeper basically stood on his head in this one. They weren't seeing this coming. Justin and Steve talked about it on the, on the, uh, pregame show where you know his stats weren't that fantastic and if you just put enough numbers on you know they were anticipating us getting a few goals um, and they rightly predicted that you know Louisville needed to have the vast majority of the possession in order to generate a ton of shots because their conversion rate is so low and we sort of saw that they had a couple chances but um, nothing that was really too too threatening uh, Kev one thing that sort of stood out to me was we've talked a lot about the defense and uh and and um soccer rabbi actually said on the full 90 about how you know he he feels like we could put our defense up against anybody we have like the best back four and we've talked a lot about how when we play a back four you're sort of relying on greenspan and toby to play one-on-one 
and for the most part, they do a really good job. This was the first game where I felt like they sort of had it, but there were a couple of times where it was really iffy. There was one time where I think Kenny had to track back, and there was one time that Kerr tracked back to sort of save them. And I don't know if that was just a case that Louisville was just running the channels the right way or had numbers going forward, but it was just something that after we had talked about it, it made me go, huh. I still think they had a good game, but it was just something that I noticed. When, and I think that last thing that you just said there kind of points to it. Yeah, I don't think necessarily that, yeah, like Greenspan or Adewale made a ton of mistakes. I don't think they like lost many of their battles. I, I, I think I was just impressed at how Louisville worked the ball and attack. I mean, look, I, I think this was using the kind of classic saying or whatever. It, it was kind of a game of two halves where I thought, the Hounds were on top in the first half. Clearly, at the end of the first half, you know, we, we got the majority of our chances. You know, DeSantos probably should put one in. You know, Kerr has a free header 10 yards out. Um, but in the second half, Louisville came out strong, and I thought they did a good job um, putting numbers forward and, like, overloading us in certain spots. I mean, because there were a lot of scenarios where you didn't – yeah, watching how Greenspan and Adewale moved and defended – there wasn't a single instance where you're thinking, ah, he got dragged out of position there. It was just, you know, it, they would kind of overload on one side. They would get behind one of our fullbacks. So Greenspan or Adewale has to slide over, and that means the other center back slides with him. And then there's a free man at the back post. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't think they played poorly. Uh, and I think our defense is still really strong. I thought I thought they just, Louisville broke on us with numbers and, and, and smart tactical ways. I was, yeah, I was impressed. Josh, what was the... Uh... Was there any sort of sense from the stands as to things going right or wrong, or were you able to get any takeaways from your point of view? Yeah, especially that first half, because uh, Louisville is playing on our side of the field, the Steel Army side, so we were able to really you know, see all those opportunities that we had. And Dos Santos had, like I think, two or three in that half that were pretty good shots um, on target. And, I mean, if you look at the stats as well, it's it's a situation where we had more shots on goal. We had more shots inside the box. We had more shots outside the box. Like, we had everything as far as attack goes going for us. Um, so it is very, uh, you know, upsetting that first half uh, going into the half with no goal and feeling like that they did pretty much everything they could to get that goal. Um and it just didn't come. There were some great saves there. And some of the shots that were on target by Dos Santos, they, they weren't like the strongest shots, but they were shots that have been going in for us in the last couple of games. So it was kind of surprising not to see them going in, especially since, you know, listening to that preview show um, with Justin and Steve was hearing about, you know, the situation with their keeper and him not being the strongest. So I kind of thought we would at least get a goal in this game. Yeah. One of the, the talking points, um, and it feels like it's always a talking point, and it was something that if you go back and listen to um, the USL show from this week, I think it might have actually came out this weekend? I don't know. Go back and listen. They, they made a point of talking about sort of the ref situation across the USL, and this was another case where I felt that the I think one of the things we always ask is that if the ref's going to be bad, just like be bad for everybody, like at least make it fair. So, so you know what to expect. And I think that this was a case where that happened and I still wasn't happy about it. Like there were so many missed calls both ways and there were offside calls that weren't offside calls. And there were, you know, one guy tried to leapfrog Dos Santos and there was a no call and just, 
I don't really think there's anything else to say about it other than it continues to be a problem, and I don't know how the USL addresses it. I think it was actually Brian Cook who made the point that, look, you know, there are other leagues all over the world who use VAR, and you have situations where there are refs that even with the ability to go back and watch VAR, still get it wrong. And so he has a hard time giving refs in the USL a hard time when they don't have the advantage of something like VAR. They're just trying to make calls in real time. So his idea, his his theory is that refing is just generally really difficult and it's bad everywhere. And we're just sort of seeing a little bit more of it. And I think someone else brought up the concept that the level of play in USL is growing more quickly than sort of the, the level of refereeing at the same level. Um, so, yeah. I have a couple of points on that, though. I, I think it's different for a couple of reasons. One, now, granted, yeah, I mean, refs at the top, top level who actually are in leagues that have VAR technology and all that kind of stuff, they're, they're paid more, you know, they're more athletic and there's more responsibilities on them and they're expected to get more calls right and all that stuff. I get that. But... At, at those levels, I mean, the speed at which the game moves is ridiculous. And it's just like the speed of the game in, in USL games generally is not like super fast. And and, and I thought there were, there were a lot of examples in this game where it's not even that he like like missed a call or was behind play or there's a body in front of him. or There there's calls where he was right in front of it and he would just determine, no, that's not a foul. And it just seemed very inconsistent. Um not even I don't even want to say inconsistent. I and I might be even kind of a little bit more mad at the Riverhounds here than I am at the ref. But it felt like Louisville was very attuned to kind of like how far they can push it with certain fouls and when to fall when they get a little you know hand on the back and and when and we were not attuned to that at all. And and that can be frustrating sometimes where it's like sometimes I'm I'm just yelling at the at the computer screen, like, oh, Brett, just go, like, just, you know, there was contact, like, go down, or Dos Santos, there was contact, just go down, you know, like, help the ref make the decision here, and, and, I mean, you know, that sounds, out of context, it sounds like I'm asking for diving, and all that kind of stuff, and I'm not, there's this gray line that always exists between, you know, is it a foul, is it not a foul, and it's, you're helping the ref, you know, it's, and to a point where it's Louisville started to use that gray line really effectively, and I thought we weren't. And it, historically, we don't. And and that could be just an area that I don't know we could grow into maybe. Well, I I would say that uh, that Dos Santos does a pretty good job of that. Usually, he's the one that would historically, uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, draw the fouls. But this game, you're right. I didn't really see that. And uh, Dos Santos was, you know, he still drew a couple fouls. I, I will say that in there, especially the first half. But it was a situation where. I agree that it felt like Louisville had a better handle on that. And, and again, it's not diving. It's essentially uh, telegraphing the foul, like making sure the foul is seen. And that's something that you, I, I feel like is some, it's something harder to teach and a little bit harder to – you don't see it as much in this level. Or, or also, I mean, it's, it's, it's also knowing like when – like the situations in the game when you don't want the ref to play advantage. Like, cause I feel like there's a lot of times where, you know, yeah, sure. A foul happens and it ends up at one of our feet, but we're not in an advantageous, advantageous position at all. And like, it'd be better if we took the free kick. And he's like, but he's like, Hey, you have, you have possession. Let's play advantage. And then play goes on for like six seconds instead of four. 
and we lose the ball, and it's a, and so it's scenarios like that where it's like well, and that that happened in this game. There was yeah. an attacking opportunity where we got fouled, and he called advantage, and there was there, there was no chance that anything was going to come of this. And basically, three four seconds pass, we lose possession of the ball, and it goes the other way, and then there's no call at all, and it's like <sighs> well, it, but in that scenario, let's be clear, it's not the refs fault per se i don't know some i mean maybe it is I, but but i think there's also we could also do a better job of saying like no we want the foul like maybe like the player just lets the ball go through go through his legs or whatever you know like no we're stopping player we're taking this foul kind of thing yeah yeah i, I also i also want to talk about I, I think i mean you guys have already talked about hubbard uh their their keeper um it, it felt i don't know i i I think he played well, but not in the way that you usually think of keepers playing well. I think a lot of his saves in the end looked pretty normal, like like normal saves, and he was just really well positioned. Like for the for the Kerr header, I went back and I looked at the Kerr header and the mischances in the first half. Uh, you know, Brett goes down the right flank, makes cross, and and Kerr has an open header from ten yards. Kerr does everything right. Like he heads the ball down, you know, it, it he, he gets some power behind it. He didn't, he doesn't put it at chest height. He puts it at his feet, and and Hubbard makes it look fairly. Now, granted, yeah, Kerr, it, it was it was it was nearish, you know, the keeper it wasn't in the corner, um, but Hubbard just, it, positionally he was great. He didn't need to move much. I mean, he knew where he needed to be in the in the goal. I was same thing with Dos Santos's goal. I, I I think it was Brett who put in the cross, and Dos Santos was at the back post. And Hubbard just gets across really quickly. And by the time Dos Santos gets the ball, it's it's actually not that great of a chance. It looks like it's a great chance because it's Dos Santos from like, you know, three yards out or whatever. Um, but Hubbard has it pretty well covered. So in the end, I I was kind of, I don't know, I was kind of confused. I was like, well, did we really create good chances? Because it looked pretty easy for the keeper to save. And I think it was just, we created good chances. I think Hubbard was just positionally really good tonight or, you know, the weekend. Yeah. And on the flip side, it's another shout-out for Kyle Morton. So, you know, kudos to him. He did have to make a few saves in this one. Um, but again, it, it wasn't anything that was massive. He made the saves that he needed to make to keep us in the game, which was good. So you can I mean, there's that one at, at, in the second half where I thought for sure they were going to score. And I think, yeah. I think Matt, Paul, and Gene thought they were going to score too, yeah. <laughs> the way they were talking about it. Yeah. Um, Morton came up big at that. Yeah. So one of the other things that I just sort of noticed as a – continuing thing is you know this happens in every single game but there was something that again i think it was about 20 minutes in and there was a shot of kenny who at that point was by far the best player on the field he was sort of everywhere doing everything and he's standing next to the sideline and lily is laying into him and i'm just sitting there thinking like you know kenny's not really looking at him he's listening to him and lily's just yelling and i'm kind of like dude what are you yelling about like I, i i get it but it's just like uh, there are times where you look at him and, you're, and he's yelling and you're like yep that's our guy and then there's time that, that he's yelling and you're just like oh like cut the guys a break like they're they're busting their butt it's just i don't know i mean he he could have been doing something that wasn't part of the tactical setup i mean that's my only argument and like gen- like you know it, it, okay I, I can speak just from watching it on the screen i can only see what the camera shows me there's a lot of defensive shape work that i'm not seeing maybe forbes is out of position maybe he's getting too far up and you know there, a lot of times you have a plan you have to stick to the plan and if you don't you get yanked and i mean you know forbes didn't get yanked in this game but you can still get an earful yeah, and, and situation with lily i feel like 
if they're not, you know, he, he needs to be yelling at someone <laughs> to, yeah. to to feel like he's in somewhat control of the situation or like, you know, doing what he can to, to, to take control of the situation. I don't know if it's just the next player thing. Like, you know, you, you're now on the field, so you feel like there's not enough power for you that you have to yell and like try to control the game that way since you can't play it. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's At this point, you know all the players are used to it. You know, none of the players are like... Especially Kenny. I mean, he came yeah. from Rochester, too. It's not like he's not, he doesn't want to ever play with Lily. Or play for years Lily. upon years of experience yeah. with uh, Lily yelling from the sideline. I'm sure you kind of learn to, to hear what he's saying, but at the same time not, uh, not let it get to you. I think what got to me was the fact that, in my mind, the, the player that I think would most um, be sort of a symbol of Lily's mentality on the field would be Kenny. Like to me, like what Lily wants to do is, is have 11 Kenny's on the field. And so to see him (laughs) sort of laying into him, I'm just like, but like, you're right. There's a reason for it. It's just, that's me just being nitpicky at the fact that every so often when I see him yelling, I'm just like, stop yelling, like sit down. It's zero, zero. We're in control here. Like, you know, go have a chocolate milk and just relax. <laughs> I don't know. I almost feel worse it, when Lily's sitting and not talking. Like, I feel like he, when, when Lily checks out of the game, you know it's bad. <laughs> yeah, that's true, too. It's happened a couple of times, and I'm like, what the heck is happening? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh-oh, yeah. uh-oh. Like, do we not care about this game? Like, I start getting concerned. Like, are we, are we not going to try to win this? It's like, it's like <laughs> if you're a kid and you come home and you give your parents, like, a really bad test score and then they just go silent, like, and they don't say anything <laughs> for five minutes, that would be scary, right? I mean, that's yeah. like, that's, you, like, want them to yell at you. Can I, can I just ask you guys, so do you think, um, do you think we were just unlucky in this game? Do you think we deserved the three points or do you think, I don't know, what do you think? Do you think we deserve the three points? That's my question. Um, I, I think that if we sort of ended things at the end of the first half, I would say that we deserve the three points. Um, I think if we had ended things at the end, if the game was 45 minutes, that's right. (laughs) If we ended the game at like probably even 65 minutes, I'd say we probably deserve a three points. But I think once we got into deep into that second half, it felt like Josh said, it felt like. Louisville had played their way into the game and, you know, deserved to draw. We weren't putting anything past their keeper. So, like, at that point, you can't just say, like, oh, give us a goal. Like, you could generate all the shots in the world, but if, if he makes the saves. So, yeah, I think I think a draw was fair. Josh, what do you think? I, I, I do think we were the better team uh, overall. And I, 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 it's, I don't ever want to say I feel like we deserved the win because the person who scores deserves a win. But uh, the fact that we didn't score uh, means, you know, it is, of course, a fair result. But at the same time, we were the better team. And I, I will I, – I do think if you're a Louisville fan, you're – you're okay with this result and you thinking, Hey, we went into high Mark, the, you know, the fortress, we got a point and we're, we're going home happy. I don't think you should be happy if you're uh, a River rounds fan. I don't think you should be happy if you are a player, obviously. And you got, you know, not stomped, but you, you, you got shown at your own stadium. Well, and that was actually my second question, Josh, just like right back to you. Were you, how did, did your opinion or perspective, of Louisville change after this game? Like, did, did they play better than you think they were? Do, do you think Louisville played well? Do you think they're a better team based off of that night um, than you thought they were? Or do you think they're worse? Like, how, how 
How did how did your perspective of Louisville change? I mean, if I'm looking at a vacuum just this season, I thought we were going to be able to handle Louisville. I thought we were yeah. going to get the three points, and it was just going to be another team on the you know the march to the, the finals, um, to the playoffs. That, that sounds conceited to say the finals, <laughs> but yeah, it was just another team that you know that was kind of points were available for us. Um, but I never think Louis is going to be a, these team. They're not. They're not a team that we've historically been like dominant against and two time champion. Like you know what I mean. Like yeah. I can't look at Louis and be like, oh, they're a cakewalk. Right. Uh, that doesn't happen. Um, so I, I wasn't looking at like this is going to be easy. I was disappointed at the end of the season or at the end of the game, but it wasn't like a a huge disappointment. It was more of a yeah, okay, that's Louis. <laughs> Mike, did your perspective of Louisville change? I think a little bit. I, I mean, there were a couple of things that happened in this game. Uh, you know, I sort of commented on Twitter. It looked like Mertz was just off. Um, mm-hmm. the, there was a lot of disconnect between um, Mertz There was a bit and of a James. spat with Mertz. Not not a spat, but, I mean, when he went off, when he yeah. got subbed off, there was something. I don't yeah, know. there's something that was going on there. And so I felt like this was a case where we didn't play as well as we've seen us play previously. So in that regard, I feel like we lost this game as opposed to Louisville earning a draw. Um, so, so you thought that was us playing poorly, not Louisville kind of forcing us to play well, poorly? So the one thing that sort of raised an eyebrow was the number of times that they were able to get in behind the defense, which we haven't seen pretty much all season. So like I think in that regard, I felt like Louisville did a good job of either watching tape or sort of understanding what they needed to do to get their chances, and they just didn't capitalize on them. But on the flip side, I don't think that I think any more highly of Louisville this season. I think that they're sort of where they are in the table, um, which right now is loading um, because the USL <laughs> standard seventh place right now. Terrible. Yeah. They're 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 the seventh, seventh place. they're the seventh place team in the East. Like I feel like that's about right. They're not a top four squad, um, and this was just a case of us not playing up to our potential. My bigger concern is I keep thinking and I keep talking about how that game in New York, what in in the games leading up to New York, we saw a completely different team than we've still seen again since then, and part of me is wondering again was that just us playing out of our mind and we've sort of regressed to the mean like this is the team that we are um or are we that team that we saw in those you know one two three games from red bulls and back so i don't know i think that's my bigger question and i don't know if we're going to get an answer to that over the over this stretch especially you know we'll talk about with the battery coming down this weekend and then we start basically five games in two weeks so yeah it's going to be tricky I'll just I'll just say quickly. I, I think my kind of final word on this. I think this game is a lot more similar to Ottawa than most people would think. Um, I think you know there there were scenarios where in in this game where it just felt like, so in, in the Ottawa game we had like a small chance the ball was put away, and then we had another small chance the ball was put away. We, we I think we had similar chances. It's just the ball didn't go in and I think if the ball goes you know if let's say there was probably three really good chances in the first half not really good chances but good chances chances that we took in the Ottawa game I think if those go in it's a completely different game obviously 
and and we're talking about this Louisville game in the same way we talked about the Ottawa game. So I think it's it's just that kind of like I kind of wanted to say like that's that's soccer, that's football. Like these games can happen. Sometimes they go and sometimes they don't. And and you know I I think on balance as far as like how much of a better team we were in this game and Ottawa, I think are pretty similar. And I think both Ottawa and, and Louisville were, were pretty similar in their performances. And it was just the only difference is this game, you know, our four chances don't end up in the back of the net and in Ottawa they did. Does does the performance in this game for the Hounds concern you at all? No, I mean, no, to me, it was very reminiscent of Ottawa. I, I thought but does that does that lo- concern you at all? No, because I, I, th- I think, honestly, nine times out of ten, we still get a win against a lot of good teams in the Eastern Conference with a performance like that. Like I said, I was impressed by Louisville. Like, I, I okay. think that's that's fine. You know, I, I think if we played if we played at that level, I think we we win more times than we lose, for sure. Josh, does this game concern you at all? No, I, I'm not concerned with this game. Because this game, like I said, it didn't look like the Hounds were playing bad at all. The, the whole time I was watching, I wasn't thinking, man team needs to get it together or anything like that i've had those games before even games we've won i've had the that feeling before where it's like like uh loudon uh like that game i was like hmm, come on guys like th- this isn't your best showing here uh but with louisville I, d- I did think that the team was playing pretty well and it was just kind of to kevin's point just not going our way uh, that final ball just happened not to go in when it's gone in the past yeah so the hounds walk away with a point I think we were all hoping for three. The good news is that the Hounds drew, and basically out of everybody else in the top eight, the only team that won this weekend was Tampa. So a lot of stuff went right around the league. Had we won, you know, we would have basically vaulted up to third um, with Nashville. Nashville would be beneath us because of games played. But New York lost. Nashville lost. Indy lost, North Carolina drew, Louisville drew with us, Ottawa lost. So, like, we sort of escaped um, almost better off than most of the teams in the top eight this weekend. So it's not terrible. Again, it could have been an opportunity to snag some more points. But um, it was interesting on the the preview show, uh, Justin and Steve were talking about sort of looking at down the road, which we spent a lot of time last week looking down the road. I prefer not to like rehash all of that again. But one of the things that Steve actually did, because you know they do homework, we don't do homework. Um, he went and looked at all the teams that are in the top eight, and basically looked at who those teams have left to play over the course of the season, and sort of figured a strength of schedule in terms of who they have left based on where they were ranked prior to this weekend. And surprisingly, came up with, based on opponents, the Hounds have the second easiest schedule the rest of the way. Now, that's not taking into consideration sort of the total number of games we have to play and all of that. Tampa has the easiest schedule left. New York has the hardest stretch in terms of looking at who they have left to play compared to where those teams are in the rankings right now. So it's encouraging that, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about how, especially after this weekend, or basically this upcoming weekend is going to start a stretch of five games in two weeks, which is going to be tough. But the good news is, is that everybody around us isn't really going to have it that much easier. So um, that at least is something that we can sort of look forward to and keep an eye on uh, as these things play out, is that, again, 
top four is definitely not out of the question. Even higher than that is not out of the question. So, and I think Lily actually said in the post game, like, why are we worried about North Carolina? We're chasing Red Bulls. Like, we're going after number one. So, stop looking beneath us. We're going up. So, yeah. I don't know. Anything from the standings surprise you guys at all? It's currently, basically, the Red Bulls are at one with 53 points. We're at five on 48 points, and we have a game in hand on them. So, basically, if we win our game in hand, they'd be at 53 and we'd be at 51. So, we're really only two points back, which, again, if they have the toughest schedule, never know, man. Never know. No thoughts. Sounds good. (laughs) So, here we go. Sorry the audio was going uh, kind of bad there for a second. But, yeah, I mean, it it is a situation right now that I feel like even though this game didn't go our way, that we're – almost in a better spot now as far as looking uh, at the teams above us than we were before. It's not a situation where I feel like that, that game's going to completely defeat us and now we're, we're chasing everyone else because everyone else didn't do too hot either, and at least we got a point out of all that. So it, it, I don't feel like we're in a worse place now, which is a fantastic feeling because I was worried after this game. It was like, oh, man, we only got a point, and then I was like looking at the – uh, uh, the table, and I think at the time we were in sixth place, and you just kind of felt defeated. Mm-hmm. It's like, ah, here we go. You know, it, it's 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 not going our way. But eh, honestly, fifth place after last week, and knowing that the team that we had to worry about the most, I felt like originally was Indy, and they're already ahead of us. I mean, it, it, Nashville looks pretty easy to, to catch up to right now, um, so I'm not too worried about it. Yeah. No, I agree. Indy ended up making up a game this past week, so they now have 25 games. We have 26, so they're still a game back on us, but they lost to the battery this weekend, um, and now they start their ridiculous stretch of whatever it is, six games in two weeks, I think. Um, so they're, they're going to be the team to watch as we come out here over the next two to three weeks and sort of see where they shake out and how they handle sort of all of those games. Um, Josh, one of the questions that got thrown to us from the preview show, and again, you should go back and listen to it because they actually do their homework. I, like there were a number of times as I was listening to it, I was like, I, I kind of wish that their show happened before ours so that we're not here like speculating about things because they actually bring the stats. So we're just sort of, you know, the, the color, this is how we feel. And they sort of bring the stats and tell you why you should feel that way. Um, but they kicked a question over to us again. Um, and they basically said in under two years, Nico has 27 goals for the Hound. Nico Brett, who is up for player of the month uh, for the USL as well. The question was, does he catch Kevin Kerr, who currently has 32 goals for the Hounds, by the end of the season? So Nico has 27. He basically has, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight regular season games and potentially some playoff games in there. Do you think that... Eight game, eight regular season plus some playoff games gets him to thirty-two goals, which is basically five more than what he has now. Um, I I feel like it's it's definitely a possibility, and I'm I'm hoping he does. Uh, uh, honestly, Kevin Kerr isn't a forward or anything like that, so you know what I mean? Like I'm okay. Like I don't feel like that's a bad thing. <laughs> and if you're forward in a short amount of time is, is, you know, racking up that many goals and he's still not the only person scoring goals for this team. It's not like 
you know, everyone shoots for him, uh, and that's how we make all of our goals. So I, I'm completely happy with uh, him getting that uh, that uh, stat. But do you do you I think th- he does th- it? Do you think he gets five more goals over the course of the regular season to get to 32? I th- I think so. Yeah. Okay. I, I think I would have said yes, like without even thinking before I watched the Louisville game. I I don't know. I I think. And I'm I'm blowing this up way too much, but I think early on in the game, Brett played well and up to the standard I think we were expecting. I thought towards the end of the game, he tired and slowed quickly. Um, there were times when I think there was there was a particular example when right before DeSantos was subbed, that DeSantos kind of pressed a ball and, and hurried it down and kind of won the ball back. And if if Brett was kind of right there behind him, we would have won the ball back. But Brett just kind of ended up standing there. And like Dos Santos kind of turned around and was a little bit upset that Brett didn't press with him. And and I I don't know, I got the impression that it was Brett was just tired. At the end of the game, you can interpret this as frustration, but um, as soon as the, uh, the final whistle blows, Brett like is the first player to drop down um, to to his like knees and he's kind of like he, he, he either looks tired or like emotionally exhausted, you know, the fact that we didn't win. Um, so I, I that could be hints of Brett may I don't know maybe this season's taken the toll on him like I said I'm blowing that up way too much I think really that was only like in a 20 minute span at the end of a hard fought game um and I still think he can do it uh it's yeah with all the games especially when you include playoff games in there um I think yeah sure yeah he can yeah he'll do it this season why not so the other question that came through was that uh, David Flavius has 60 goals as a hound all time. So he's the Hounds all-time leading scorer with 60 goals. The question was, does Brett catch him? So the the implication there is that Brett has to stick around and be a Hound for the next few years. So I think that's the bigger question. A, do we think that Brett sticks around for two, three more years? And B, if he does, do you think that he goes from 27 goals that he has now to pass 60? Kev, what do you think? I, I think it's, I don't know. That's so hard because it's Kevin Kerr is kind of an, an anomaly in the sense of how long he stayed here. I think generally in the USL, it's just hard for, for players that kind of hang around too long. Um, I don't see Brett making the jump up a division like to the MLS or going anywhere else. Um, so, I mean, I think it's likely he stays in the USL for a while. Um, but I, yeah, it's, it's hard to say if he's going to stick around for, for long enough. I think he could probably do it in. Yeah, and probably another two seasons. So if he stuck around for two seasons, I'd say, yeah, he could. there's a good chance he breaks it. Um, but it's just a question of whether or not he'll stay. Yeah, I mean, it's a situation, though. Uh, Nico is uh, 27 years old. So he's he's not exactly a young person for being a striker. and He's, ca- he's coming he, into his prime, like but right now is his yes, prime. Yeah, right now. Yeah. And the, the question is, does he stay at this level that he's at right now for the next couple of years when we keep him? Or do the hounds look, you know, shop around uh, or anything like that? Because like you're saying, contracts aren't that long in USL. And so you, you see players jump around. And it's not like we've had Brett for a long time either. 2018 is when we signed him. So uh, 57 appearances, uh, according to his Wikipedia page for the Hounds. So I I don't know. I, I feel like uh, it, it's a lot to gamble. Not gamble, but it's a lot to assume that he would stick around with the, the River Hounds for the next three years two years 
I think, and I think it would take about two or three years for him to get up to that. Well, now I have to press you on two or three, Josh. <laughs> I would, I, uh, yeah. Go I ahead. was gonna say I, I think it would have to be three because I think if he's gotten to twenty-seven and this is his second year with us, you have to sort of imagine that at some point there's going to be some drop off. So I mean, he he was basically in the golden. Maybe boot race. this is the drop off. Well, I mean, that's the, that's the thing is that he was in the golden boot race last year, and so this year, you know, you figure, I don't know, you know, maybe he picks up. I, I'm I'm saying that I think he catches 32 by the end of the season. So you figure if he's averaging 16, 17, 18 goals a season, like that's pretty darn good. Um, and I think that's going to be really tough to maintain over a four-year stretch. So I think he's going to need that third year to really get to 60. So I think he has to be here at least five years total, and I just don't know if that's going to happen. Here's my only other argument with that, though. I think last season we played to his strengths. Our attack was built around him. I think for large portions of the season, less so now. I think we're playing more to Nico's strengths now, but earlier in the season... He was on like the left side of a front three, or I mean, that's not his position. He he doesn't belong there. Um, I think just now we're starting to f- kind of figure out the whole Brett leads the line with DeSantis and behind him. Um, and on top of that, he's still getting the goals that he's gotten this season. So I think, you know, I he's a good player. <laughs> it's just, it's yeah, it's if he sticks around for two, I think he gets it in two seasons. Yeah, he's a good player, but is he a player that you build your team around and you give him the opportunity to get that many goals again? Or, as Lily is one yeah. uh, to do, does he kind of make the, the team more of a uh, a single unit and not looking at one player to be the goal-scoring champion of the whole team? But yeah. that's my point. I don't even think we need to do that with him, and he's still going to get the goals. Like He was still putting yeah. in decent numbers early on in the season when the team wasn't built around him. I think also, yeah, you bring up a good point. Um I mean, let's face it, I don't think Lily really speaks highly of, like, explicitly highly of any of his players in public, Um, but when we had Lily on the podcast uh, in preseason, I thought we brought up the point of Brett, and if I remember correctly, he kind of, you know, he said, like, look, yeah, Nico's a good player, but, like, he could have scored more. Like, we could (laughs) have, you know, like, he, he wasn't... He didn't say like he just didn't speak, you know, in total all of Nico. I think there there was I remember a little bit of like a little bit of reasonable criticism around Nico's game and and so yeah, I don't think Lily's gonna necessarily build a team around him. And that could be suggestions where he doesn't feel like he's absolutely necessary. I mean you get the sense that, you know, Lily might feel, I don't know, the likes of Kenny and, and Funky Zeal are necessary players that like needs to you know keep around i maybe you get the sense that lily doesn't feel like that way about about brett but speculation that's me reading way too deeply into things <laughs> that probably don't need to be read that deeply into well and i think the other thing is too we looked at sort of the, the players that we were bringing back from last year and we thought oh these guys were with lily this year they're just going to hit the ground running and we're going to leave off right where we you know tr- or we're going to pick up right where we left off last season that just didn't happen so no matter what you know Brett's pedigree may be and what he was able to do this season and last season, who's to say Lily's not going to come out and try to do some other system or try to bring in somebody else to try to fill that role and his role gets diminished because he doesn't want you know one person getting as many goals as Brett got this year. He wants it to be spread out even more. Who knows? But I think that if Brett is around for three more years, which I think could be a real possibility... Um, you know, that basically puts him at 30 being a striker. 
then I think he has a shot at the 60. But I think anything less than that, and I don't think it's going to happen. So, Mike, you say three years. Josh, you say three years. Yeah, I say two. I think you can do it in two more years. Ooh. I hope you're right. Ooh. Yeah. Also, I mean, I mean look, I, I think we're going to tack on more games because I think we're going to consistently get deeper into the playoffs. So those are just more chances for him to score. Hmm. Oh, is this regular season? Or is this uh, all time? This is all time. Oh, okay. So, you know, a, a deep uh, open cup run, yeah. a playoff run, you know, those things help. Yeah. So, guys, thanks for the questions um, coming from the preview show. As we said, make sure you go listen to them because they're so much better than we are. Uh, guys, this weekend, the battery come to town. Um, basically, after this match, after the match of this weekend against the battery, the Hounds will get a week to recoup. And then, as I mentioned, they're going to have to travel to Nashville and start that crazy five games in two-week stretch. The battery just did us a huge favor by being Indy, excuse me, one nothing this weekend. But now they have to travel to Swope Park on Wednesday before they travel to face us on Saturday. Now, um, you know, to sort of give you some perspective of where things are right now, Charleston are sitting just beneath the playoff line at 11th place. So they need basically all of the points they can get. Swope Park is that at the absolute bottom of the table. They have a negative 30 goal differential. So... This may be a situation where Charleston is sort of looking at the game on Wednesday, and you know we talk about sort of A team, B team. Well, they need all the points they can get, but if they're going to play a B team, they're likely going to play it at Swope Park before traveling to face us, um, because you know we're going to sort of be the stiffer test. But if I'm Charleston, I'm sort of looking at Swope and I'm looking at the Hounds, and I'm saying, you know what, I want four points out of the stretch. I want all the points I can get, but I'm going to be happy with four, and I'm going into Pittsburgh to take the draw. Does that concern you guys at all, having a team coming in here with the intent of just getting a draw? Josh, what are your thoughts? I think it's better than the alternative uh, as far as this team needing to play their starters against Swope, I feel like, because, like you're saying, they need the, the those points. And you're going to go with the surefire one. Uh I'm not saying it's a surefire thing because anything can happen, but it's about as close as it gets. I mean, they uh, Swope is on a seven-game losing streak right now, and uh, no signs of getting any better. So you, you go in there, you, you have to start your starters because if you kind of like chance it and you start your you know second string, and you don't get three points there, you're you're really shooting yourself in the foot for the playoff race. So you have to play your starters there. Coming in here with a team that is going to try to just bunker down, probably, I feel like this team's good enough. The Hounds are good enough to uh, to break that down. Like I, I don't feel like anyone can come into Highmark and bunker and expect to get a point. That's not what happened last weekend. I mean, it's it's not like Louisville came in and was like, oh, we're just going to bunker down. They they tried to score and it was a, it was a real battle. So I'm not I'm not that worried because I think we can handle that. Side note, remember when we were talking in the preseason, we were like, Swope Park, man, coming from the West, they're going to be a good team. They're, they got, they have 15 <laughs> points in 25 games and at the negative 30 goal differential. So Swope just, at some point, they must have just said, you know what, this ain't our season. Like, just let's hang them up and start focusing on something else. So, Kev, what are your thoughts on uh, on this weekend and, and the potential for the battery to come in and try to just sit on a point? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with a lot of what Josh said. I, I think in the past, you know, even last season, I think if if a team was coming to Highmark to do that, I'd be a bit more worried and hesitant. I would almost want player, you know, teams to come and attack us because I think you know, generally we we play better on the counter. But I think this this year with this team, the results we've gotten, yeah, I, I feel much more confident with 
you know, if if a team wants to sit back and defend, I we can we have the tools now and the you know experience. There's games we can go back and look at where we successfully do this. You know, to break them down, um, whether that's through you know. 15 minutes where we just blitz them or you know i think we also have the technicians now to to knock it around and and you know try to create space so i yeah i'm i know i'm i'm not worried in fact i'm trying to think like whether or not i would want them to come and like attack us or defend and i I don't i don't feel strongly either way i think we're just we're a balanced enough team now where yeah we'll just generally beat you at any (laughs) any way you decide to play if the hounds walk out of this game this weekend with a draw like we did against louisville are you going to be disappointed i think the answer to that is yes but josh are you gonna be disappointed <laughs> uh yeah i'm gonna be disappointed because i'm gonna really question I, I and i think it's gonna be on everyone's mind the fact that we're probably not going to get a home playoff game then I, I i think we're at that point in the season where it's already going to be an uphill battle we need other teams to drop points to like really help us out so I don't want to be in a situation where we don't have our own destiny in our hands. And if we get too many more draws, that's going to be the situation where it's going to be out of our hands. We're going to have to just hope that other teams drop points and help us out. So in order for us to be you know, in the driver's seat, we, we need to get these three points. Can I just say real quick, Kev, before I kick it to you, how nice it is for us to be sitting here and talking about the frustration of not getting a home playoff game like just two seasons ago (laughs) it was like we got to have a lot of things go right for us to make the playoffs like that's that's all we're doing and here like there's no question we're like we're making the playoffs it's just can we finish top four so that's that's pretty sweet like we need to at least acknowledge that that said kev disappointed with uh only one point this weekend what, with this weekend or next weekend? Upcoming weekend next against Charleston. Yeah, yeah. Would you be disappointed with one point? Well, look, yeah. I, the points, obviously, are really important. But it's... And and I would be disappointed in the sense of, like, the points part of the result. But if we go out and play like we just... I don't know. It's hard for me to be disappointed in the performances right now. Like, I, I wasn't disappointed in the Louisville performance. And if we go out and play the same way against Charlotte, and Charlotte just has a, you know, a wonder game... Then um, once again, I'm, I'm not going to be disappointed in, in, in how we're playing just based off of, off of the result. The points are huge right now. But I, I, I don't think we've been playing poorly. I think we've been playing quite well. And, and you know, this past week we were just maybe a little unlucky. Um, and then maybe that, that could happen again in Charlotte. I don't know. You know and it, but I don't think it will. I, I think it's more, you know, we're not showing signs of slowing down too much. And... Uh, yeah, uh, we should get the three points. I agree. I think that we should get the three points. I think that Louisville was probably a tougher test. Granted, every time we play the battery, it's a battle. It's just, it's, you know, the old guard shield still lives between these two teams. We're the only two that are in it this year. So um, it's going to be a battle. But at the same time, I don't feel like Charleston is going to present the same kind of challenge that Louisville did. And I still feel like we sort of beat ourselves a little bit against Louisville. So I think if we right the ship in a few ways and, you know, be rest assured, Lily's comments after the game, they're going to right the ship in practice this week. Um, I feel like it's three points or bust in this one. And Josh, your, your point about, like, we're getting to that point where you start drawing too much, you can kiss the home field advantage goodbye. I, I think that's 
I mean, that's legit. So we got Charleston this weekend. Next weekend, we had we travel to Nashville. And then, like I said, we start our whole five games in two weeks where we'll play Nashville away. Midweek, we'll play Memphis away. We'll come back and play Indy at home. Then we'll go to Loudon, and then we come back and play Atlanta at home. And then basically we only have two more home games – or no, two more away games after that to close out the regular season against St. Louis and Birmingham, which last time we talked, they were bubble teams. They're now 9-10 and 10 in the East. They bubbled their way into the playoff picture, and so they're going to be scrapping for every point they can. So really looking at our remaining games, the only teams that we're going to play uh, that are left that aren't in the playoff picture uh, are Atlanta – Loudon and Memphis um, and it's starting to look more and more like they're not going to make it Atlanta's got 23 points Loudon's got 24 points Memphis has 25 points and the line is currently at 35 points so a lot of things got to go wrong for them to make it up into the bubble so that plays a little bit into Steve's thing about you know strength of schedule Kev you have something you're going to add to that well, no, I, I was just going to say you say only these three teams. I mean, we only have eight games left. I mean, so that's almost right. half our games. <laughs> no, no, no. So, I no. mean, it's not terrible. No, 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 no. But we, we sort of talked a little bit last week about would you rather be playing teams at the top of the table or the ones that are bubble teams or the ones who are out of it? And so where we're at right now is we have Nashville and Indy who are sort of top of the table. You have um, the Battery, you have St. Louis, and you have the Legion that are sort of the bubble teams. And then you have Atlanta, Loudon, and Memphis that are probably not going to make it. So it's a pretty even split between teams that are in, teams that are bubble, teams that are out. So can I just say I'm not I'm not convinced of this whole like I'd rather play the team who's first because they're going to be coasting. I don't I don't believe that at all. No, <laughs> no, no, no. no. I don't e- th- even 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 bubble teams. I mean, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I just I always want to play the worst team in the league. That's all. That's all I want. <laughs> that's something to keep in mind, though, is those worst teams in the league that we're going to be playing uh, are actually weekday games, mm-hmm. not weekend matches, which kind of sucks. Well, it's it's good and bad. It's it's good because if you're going to play a team in the middle of the week, your best case scenario is to play a worst team, so that way you can kind of hopefully you know not have to worry about tired legs as much with playing uh, the bench players, but. It's also kind of nervy because it's like, okay, even though they're not a great team, we're not going to be playing our best lineup, so anything could happen. Yeah. So it, it, it's, it's you know, keep that in mind. That's our two, two uh, uh, Tuesday games, actually, not Wednesday. I was going to say Wednesday. Yeah, it's uh, Memphis and uh, Loudon. Yeah. So a lot going on. Um, we all said three points in this game. Guys, do you want to attempt a score prediction? Josh, what do you, what do you think? I do think it's going to be a low-scoring game because they are going to be bunkering, but I think we're going to eke it out with a... So last time we played, it was 2-2 draw, and that was at Charleston. Um, so I I definitely feel like... I'm just going to say 1-0. It's going to be maybe uh, loud in all over again. And uh, another quick thing about this, it is the old guard shield. Uh, it's up for the grabs because it, we drew last game. Uh, away goals do matter, so the fact that we got two goals against them at uh, Charleston helps us out a lot. So a draw, as long as it's not more than a 2-2 draw, um, or I mean a 1-1 draw, uh, is good for us, and we'll still get the win. Uh, so yeah, that is this is probably the last year we're going to have the Old Guard Shield as well, since uh, starting next year there will be more teams in League 1 than there are in uh, championship, so it's going to go down to uh, League One. Yeah. So hardware on the line. I'm taking a one nothing win as well. Kev, where are you at? I'm going to say two nil, and I think it's 
for I think if if they get an early chance that gives them hope into thinking that they could, you know, get something out of this game, then that's our worst case scenario. But I think for two reasons that's not gonna happen. A, they're gonna be a bit more tired um, coming into this game. So you wouldn't think they would start brightly. And B, we we tend to always start aggressive for the first 15 minutes so i don't think we're going to give up a lot, many chances so i think we, we can just kind of squash their hope pretty quickly in this game if we start quick and even an early goal kills this game off immediately and i think we kind of coast to a 2-0 i like it let us mm-hmm. know what you think um about this game obviously there will be a preview show coming up this week as well so make sure that you listen to justin and steve as they break down all the important stats that you need to know um one quick thing We've talked a little bit about a Mongol's jersey. Uh, we've actually started working with a designer, and some of the stuff is ridiculously sweet. So nice. Um, it's so nice. So, uh, But one of the things, I put the call out on Twitter. Uh, we need your help. There's, there's, um, We have sort of something in mind that we're kind of maybe trying to do something with a local charity. Um, and there's a ton of great local charities out there, but we want to know if there's any that you've either worked with or you're really passionate about. Um, if there is, let us know, hit us up on Twitter at Mongols or emails at Mongols at BGN.FM. Um, we're not going to reveal exactly what we're doing, but we want to make sure that we sort of identify at least one or two really cool charities. And, uh, we're going to try doing something really cool, um, that sort of ties in with the Jersey and some other things. You could probably piece together what we're doing, but we're not going to divulge it until we get closer. Um, so yeah, let us know for sure. Cause we want to know, um, We'll just leave it at that. One last note, Kev, you're going to be gone for like three weeks. Where are you going? Forever. Um, yeah, I'll, I'm going to a conference. You're um, starting a new podcast? Is that what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> and I just need three weeks to, to, to start it up and then I'll it's, just be it's, back. It's a, rival, how... it's a rival Rimmelhounds podcast? Is that what you're doing? <laughs> you're sick of us? That's it. <laughs> Uh, no, but I'll be away at a conference and then taking a personal vacation immediately after the conference. Um, so going to middle earth i yeah the conference is in new zealand i know it's i've already tried he's not going to visit hobbiton <laughs> it's not happening it's because the conference no pictures, is in nothing. south new zealand and it's if you cared you could make it happen it's not <laughs> how big is new zealand like you could walk across it right i mean that's like insulting to why, is, why is it trump tried to buy new zealand i mean he tried to buy greenland just oh okay okay yeah. <laughs> podcast over <laughs> yeah but, so yeah uh, yeah Kev's not going to be here for three weeks, so we're going to have a couple special guests starting next week. So if you have any guesses as to who you think the special guests might be, I will will let you know that uh, this week's special guest is someone I don't believe we've ever actually had on the show before. I don't think so. I don't think so. So if you have any guesses, feel free to let us know. Not that we'll tell you if you're right or wrong, but it's just always fun to guess. Um, So we're going to try to have some fun with it and uh, get in a few different voices here and... uh, yeah, just try to hold down the fort while Kev's gone, especially during the stretch um, that we have coming up. Lots of exciting stuff going on. Guys, I think that's it for this one. Do you guys have anything else from your end? Nope. Kev, any parting words? You won't get to talk about the Hounds for four weeks. Any yeah, any weird. words of inspiration that they can hang on the wall? Because you know they're all listening. You know every single one of the players is listening <laughs> right now, and they want to know what you have to say they're like lily psh, what he says doesn't matter what kevin says is that's my team talk? my bed at night is it is this, i'm giving a team talk right now this is remember the titans let's go denzel oh, god i would <laughs> not get the academy award for this role 
<laughs> nothing. I don't know. Uh, enjoy the time. I mean, enjoy this. Enjoy this last home game for a while. I mean, we're not maybe not for a while. I think it's two away games in a row or something like that. I don't know. Um, riveting stuff. I know. Uh, just yeah. Go win and enjoy yourself. Don't take life too seriously and enjoy the three weeks. Hey. Okay. Take it really seriously. This is life or death. You have to win. My life enjoyment depends on it. <laughs> that's that's what Kevin actually said. Yes. All, right. All right. Well, Kev, have fun. And I think that's it for this one. Thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Head over to mongols.com. Hear all the shows, pregame show, full 90, everything that's there. You can click over to the store, get yourself some merch. Follow us on Twitter at mongols. Email us at mongols at bgl.fm, at mongolspod on Instagram iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, wherever you listen, go subscribe. You get the shows automatically. Give us a ranking. Let us know what you think. We want to know. Otherwise, let us know what you thought about this one. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you very, very soon. Cheers. Later. Unless you're Kevin, we won't talk to you very, very soon. <laughs>